Are there nerds here tonight? Nerds! You are a part of the lucky 10,000. With your hosts, Evan. Carissa, do you think there's any aliens who look like titties? And Carissa. Thank you for physically having me, Evan. Being a nerd, it's not about what you love. It's about how you love it. Hey, guys. Hey, everybody. This is Evan. And I'm Carissa. And we're the Lucky 10,000, the podcast that gets you luckier than me sitting right now face-to-face with Carissa Sutherland. Hi! Because she actually made it to Greenville all the way from Texas. I did. I made the two-day drive. Yeah. And uh, we want to thank, obviously, Podbean and Stitcher for having us on. Also, we want to thank the Tangent Bound Network for adding us to their awesome list of shows. And also, please check us out on Bearded Pods Network, featuring not only us, but Teddy and the Baseman, and the Bearded Ones Comedy Podcast, also featuring myself and Jason Underwood. And if you listen to us through the Bearded Pods Network, then please, please, please support the other podcasts on the Tangent Bound Network, because, you know, podcasts are great, but the big dogs kind of rule everything, and there's nothing wrong with that, but amateur podcasts don't exist without your support. That's right. So, yeah, Carissa and I are actually doing this live today. Recorded live. Recorded live in front of a studio audience of one, which would be my cat. And he is not even in the room. Yeah, we're, we've already bored him. <laughs> yeah, so that just shows you how we're getting off to a good start. But in celebration of the fact that Carissa is actually here today, we thought we'd talk about something that we're both very passionate about, because we are geeks at heart. I think that's fair to say. We've said it about a billion times on yeah, this podcast. like only five times an episode or something, maybe. And a true geek is a fan of all things science-related and also uh, has a lot of imagination about what else might be out there. We don't accept that we are the only living things in this universe. True. And so we thought it'd be fun to talk about a lot of different aspects of aliens. It's something we haven't really touched on in this podcast before. No, mostly about how humans would be so scary to them. Yeah. But not so much about how Just many aliens there are. What what could there be? <laughs> and as I'm talking to you right now, uh, Carissa is holding a mic in between her boobs. I am. Just to make sure that we're distancing ourselves enough from each other. And, uh... They turn out to be a great mic stand. They do. It's a strange little tripod I have going on here with my boobs. So my first question, so I'm going to try to let that not divert my attention from the main subject matter, but uh, let's talk about what we think might be out there. Carissa, do you think there's any aliens who look like titties? Yes. Okay. So do you think that, okay, we've gotten off track a little bit. <laughs> I'm not trying to keep it on, keep it on level. Um, you know what my favorite, favorite alien movie was? What's that? Independence Titty. And yes, those were, that was a great pair of movies. (laughs) That was a great pair of movies. Second, second one coming out soon and hopefully (laughs) very good. But I think that's a good starting point because people imagine aliens based on their culture. Yeah. Based on what they were raised on. Right. And we were inundated with sci-fi movies in our childhoods in the 80s and the 90s especially definitely they don't seem to have been as in vogue lately no i think like the last really kind of super hyped alien movie was district nine yeah because there's been a lot of ones that have come out since then that have completely flopped it's like people all of a sudden just aren't interested in aliens anymore the fifth wave just came out and i think completely bombed at the theater yeah it was a battle los angeles which apparently was just dreadfully bad yeah no one gave a i shit guess about. they did war of the Worlds, but that uh, was a tom cruise movie so fuck that <laughs> no i actually liked the war of the worlds movie did you i did because okay. it you know i love the book and I loved the whole story of the Orson Welles radio broadcast and how that caused a panic and everything. And, you know, I know a lot of people kind of bitched about the ending, but I'm like, well, then then don't like the book because that is the ending of the book. So they were true to that? They were true to the fact that the aliens, you know, spoilers for War of the Worlds. But, you know, it was kind of when I was a bit of a of a signs apologist. Yeah. Uh, when everyone was bitching about the fact that the aliens shouldn't come to a planet where there's something on it that could kill them. Right. And a lot of it. I was like, well, he just got that from War of the Worlds because the aliens land on a planet they're taking over, but they didn't think ahead to consider if there are any germs on the planet that might kill them. Which just strikes me as kind of stupid. Wasn't their best moment. I mean, just in general, if you're thinking about, cause shit, we have to take all sorts of immuno shots and shit to go to fucking Mexico. Well, uh, maybe the aliens had already been to their version of Mexico and thought that everything would be fine. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of just figure if you are traveling somewhere that you're not familiar with, like, you know, Mexico or the Congo or whatever, 
you have to be immunized against a whole bunch of diseases that you don't have in whatever Western culture you're from. Right. Why would you think that a fucking alien planet would be so much safer? Look, no one said they were smart aliens. They're just way far beyond us. At, well, they were military aliens. They weren't scientific aliens. Yes, because military and science, Not, they never go, in common. never go hand in hand. They were just there to conquer. Yeah. But I guess my one complaint about the end of the War of the Worlds is that Tom Cruise's son survived. And I was like, that's kind of, that's a very Spielberg, like, let's make everybody, let's wrap it all up and make everybody happy at the end of the movie. Yeah. And I'm like, his son should have died. You got to be able to kill kids. He should have paid a price. Yeah. But. Anyway, that's kind of where, you know, hostile aliens in movies are really almost as old as movies themselves. I mean, there's been so many of them and so many different versions of them. You, know, you go back to something like the original The Thing. Right. Where it was just kind of a big, you know, vegetable, basically. Yep. That was pretty freaky. You know, it was one of those things in movies, one of the big, one of the first big scare moments in a horror movie was opening that door and seeing The Thing monster for the first time. It was a huge scare moment because it wasn't even set up. It was brilliantly done because yeah. there was no spooky music. It was just, let's go into this room. Bah, there he is. Right. But he looked still very humanoid. Yeah, that's, yes. We he have always, like a dude. We've always envisioned, well, not always, but largely we've envisioned most extraterrestrials as being somewhat humanoid. They're bipedal or they have very distinctive heads where clearly their brain meets go. Right. And I've never really thought that was a particularly adequate expression of what an extraterrestrial might look like. We always have to put things in our context. Yeah. And that is kind of shitty when you look at the fact that if you're going to imagine an alien, you can do anything with it that you want. Yeah. It doesn't have to have the rules that are that our world is bound to. I mean, certain rules of astrophysics, sure, have to have to sort of, you know, coalesce. But at the same time, this is the realm of imagination. Yeah. You could do anything with it you want, which is why John Carpenter's The Thing was, I think, one of those rare times where a remake was actually an improvement on the original. Okay. Because, I didn't actually see John Carpenter's The Thing. Well, that alien you never saw. Not ever once? Uh, Well, it had the ability to take the shape and form of whatever it latched onto. Okay. So you never really got to see the alien, which is one of the reasons that movie works so well, because they're in a secluded camp in the Antarctic, and the alien basically latches on it's like invasion of the body snatchers in a way latches on to people kills them and then completely takes their form can speak like they did even the clothes everything huh so the level of paranoia through that movie is very palpable because they don't have the old chestnut of why don't they just leave because they would die because it's the antarctic right they can't call for help and now they're in this enclosed space and any one of them could be the alien that's good that's but good horror right there when they discover a way to identify which one of them might be the alien then like when it gets caught it just like it takes on this almost, uh, you just have to see it. It, it changes shape. It, it, one of the best scenes in the whole movie, this guy's head falls off, sprouts legs and runs away. Okay. Because any little piece of the alien that's left alive can still continue, like an earthworm almost. Okay. That's, and that was a much good. more, yeah, that was a much more imaginative, you know, this thing can be anything we want it to be. So it's not bound by those rules. It, it would, takes the shape of a dog at one point. And, you know, you never really get to see it in its full glory. You get glimpses of it here and there, but it doesn't look like anything from Earth. That's really cool. Yeah. And there's definitely, I think, reasons for that, especially you go back and look at something like the original Star Trek series. They didn't do a fantastic job always of really no. differentiating. But that was because of, I think, two reasons. A, their budget. Yeah, definitely. And B, a lot of their storylines were supposed to be paralleling things that were happening yes. on Earth, sociopolitical commentary. Right. So it helped them to have very humanoid aliens. But every once in a while, you'd get something like the lava rock monster or something like that sure. that, that didn't look Earthbound. But, you know, then there's what more often seemed to happen in movies is there's two camps that believe in what kind of extraterrestrial life might be there. And they're pretty firm believers. There's the peaceful camp. There's the camp that says, if they're this intelligent, to get all the way to Earth from millions of light years away. They've advanced so far beyond us. War is unnecessary. Violence is unnecessary. Right. They would want to be peaceful and they would want to introduce themselves to us and bring us into their community. Right. And then there's the other side of that. Those like, yeah, but what if they're bad? That's pretty much their argument. I mean, I think some of that is because much like how our movie 
monster aliens are designed to be slightly humanoid. Yes. Their concepts of the worlds around them are also slightly humanoid in yes. that way. We are a very warlike species. Yes. The reason that we do things and the reason a lot of our technology advances in the way that it does is specifically for the military. So we kind of take that concept as that's how that works. Right. So if you're advancing in that way, you're doing so because of your military advancement. Right. And if you're doing so because of military advancement, it means you're a warlike species, which means you're going to come here and try and kill us all. Right. And I think it's a good toss-up. I tend to go on the more optimistic side. I don't consider myself an optimist, but I also feel like the differentiations between people that believe one or the other also has a lot more to do with sort of base human emotion. If you believe that aliens are only out there for destruction and coming to kill us, a la, uh, i.e. Independence Day, then you're probably a person that is also afraid of foreigners coming into your country and taking your stuff. I mean, that's a good analog for why that works in movies. Right. And it is a very human perspective. Yes. We are afraid, naturally, of anything that's different. I'm not going to say if a flying saucer didn't land in front of my apartment right now that I would go out there and be, welcome to Earth. Let's begin our peaceful coexistence. I'd probably go, holy fuck, I need a gun. But after that, I'd go, I should give these guys a chance. (laughs) Yeah, let's bring my keyboard out and be like, boom, 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 and see what they say. And it always seemed to be the the slightly more intellectual people, uh, scientists, who tend to veer toward the optimistic side. People that think less with their heart and more with their head. Well, I mean, it is, I agree with you, but it is a very heartfelt way to think about it. Because obviously, from a scientist's perspective, if you're talking about astrophysics or whatever other field would lead you to be thinking about extraterrestrial life. You're a scientist, like a pretty pure scientist, Mm -hmm. about research and development, Mm -hmm. understanding. And to you, military advancements and applications aren't your thought process. Right. Your thought process is scientific advancement and exploration. And those are very inherently peaceful mentalities. And that's just a projection of, well, if they are advancing in this way, the way that we are contemplating advancing, clearly they are also scientists right. and are of a mind to explore and research right. and discover. So it's a way of projecting yourself onto what you don't understand in both camps. Yep. Because people that are more warlike are going to instantly think, well, they've got to be more warlike. Right. And then the people that are, no, no, they just want to further their culture just the same way we do right. are going to project themselves onto it. Yep. So yeah, it's impossible to say. I mean, if a race was out there that had advancements so far beyond us, we couldn't even comprehend it. Would they really need to dominate us? Who the hell knows? I think that I'm probably somewhere in the middle. I think that any species that is capable of interstellar travel, who happens upon our little backwater planet, Mm -hmm. is probably out for discovery and exploration, maybe maybe colonization, but whether or not Earth would be something they would desire as a colony is totally up in the air. But they would also be smart enough to understand, hey, we're just out in the middle of nowhere. Right. And clearly they would have had to have thought that there might be life somewhere else. Right. And maybe that life will be humans. Yeah. Maybe that, like, they'll just be violent and reactionary and afraid. Because we are. We're violent, reactionary, and afraid as a species. And like you said, if a flying saucer lands, first thing we're going to do is, where's my gun? Right. Because we're afraid of that. Right. No matter how peaceful they might be. Mm -hmm. So they're probably intending to be peaceful, but also we're not out here to just die at the hands of some backwater asshole planet who's afraid of us and sprays us with bug spray or whatever. (laughs) And that happens to be the thing that kills us and we melt to death. Like, that's not our goal. So... Discovery and exploration is probably the goal, but also they're going to be backed up by a squadron of whatever squadron they have Mm -hmm. with whatever weapons they've got to make sure that their discovery and exploration isn't cut short. Right. Well, yeah, and it it even goes back to that Orson Welles radio broadcast, which I was so always so fascinated by. And that just showed you how palpable the fear of takeover by anything was. Yeah. And I'm sure everyone listening to this knows that story. It's an awesome story. It's a primarily true story i think been exaggerated somewhat through through history as to how panicked people actually were but it was also they were scared of something else they it was the cold war they were scared of the russians they were scared of nuclear bombs so they were ready to run from anything right that was not in their normal 
daily life and seemed like some evil invading force. And, you know, you brought up an interesting point that I think has been touched on once or twice in film, but not a ton, is that what if they initially are peaceful and our reaction to them is so over the top out of fear that we end up uh, starting a war that we can't possibly win? Yeah. And one that would have been avoidable if we'd just, you know, taken a breath Mm -hmm. as opposed to come out shooting. Mob mentality is a dangerous oh, yeah, thing. Absolutely. And I could sit here and tell anybody that, no, no, when the aliens come, you should go outside and welcome them with open arms. But I see a hundred people running away or running towards something with shit in their hands, ready to fuck some shit up. I can't guarantee you that I wouldn't go, yeah, me too. Yeah. Pitchforks at the ready, kids. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a dangerous thing. It is. Which is why I think if it ever happens, there's no way to exactly predict what it's going to be. That's totally true. And I think it is far more likely that we will meet whatever other life form we might meet on some neutral ground. Right. Like one of our satellites or one of our rovers. One or of possibly our possibly us, depending on how far we sure, get in the next absolutely. few generations. But something will make contact with something from them. So it'll be like, oh hey, our rover that was headed out toward, you know, something past Pluto or whatever right. at that point. Just made contact on this asteroid with a rover that's not ours. Right. And, you know, we all know Curiosity at this point, the cute little lonely Mars rover. If they're taking pictures and we're taking pictures and we take pictures of them and they take pictures of us, well, now we've made contact at that point. Mm -hmm. But it's been been inherently peaceful because there's no one actually there. Right. It's all just looking. We're just looking at each other. Well, and people are so ready for that. I mean, we've all seen the the pictures of the people from the initial landing on Mars when everyone's like, well, there's a face on there. Yeah. Or the even dumber one, I found a rat, you know, because people are just ready to see that. Yep. They're ready to see something. Yep. And whenever we do find even semi-intelligent, because we're also talking about alien life that is at least as intelligent intelligent if not more so than we are but right. you know we're also we could find some new form of bug that is just as stupid as the bugs on this planet and it is so much more likely that what we're going to find the first time we find life anywhere right. else it's going to be some single-celled organism right. or some you know bug or some right. bacterium something that isn't another capable independent species right. that has space travel it's just they're just living it's, under it's a, a rock snail. yeah <laughs> it's just a fucking snail exactly but that would still be awesome it would be awesome and, you know, there's also the whole thing that kind of we ourselves are basically extraterrestrials. If you really think about, you know, when they are able, when they were able to actually examine material in the tail of a comet, they found the same amino acids that were part of the building blocks of human life. Right. It's not that hard to extrapolate the fact that we were created partially by some remnants of some ancient civilization whose planet exploded millions of years ago and pieces of that planet when the Earth used to get perpetually pelted by comets meteors everything that eventually led to our creation technically we're from extraterrestrial dna i yep so if you're looking for aliens well i'm looking at one right now (laughs) with a microphone between her titties (laughs) but you know but let's get into more personal stuff now have you ever seen anything have you ever seen you do you believe that we have ever had true intelligent alien life visit this planet I want to believe. Oh, so do I. <laughs> so do I, Scully. I, re- I really do want to believe that. I mean, there are those things that you look at and in- initially you're just like, well, you can't deny that. You know, the pictures from the Bible or the, the pictures from caves that show something that looks a hell of a lot like a flying saucer. Yeah. And Caveman would just been like drawing that because like, well, that was fucked up, right? They have no idea what it was or yep. no frame of reference for it. It was, wasn't a bird. But I mean, come on. I, I mean, know so many people that love the ancient aliens TV show. Yeah. That are just like everything that show says is biblical truth. And I'm like, okay. Cause you know, aliens. Cause aliens. I was like, yeah, but there's gotta be a more, lo- if cavemen saw them regularly, why haven't we seen something that can't be explained by, I don't know, someone with an IQ slightly above average. Yeah. Just examining a picture. Yeah. I, as an original X-Files fan, I have to say I am. Still very big into Roswell. Yeah, add that to the list. Like, <laughs> just I, I want to think that there is at least some grain of truth in the whacked out conspiracy theories. Sure, of what they're clearly not, but there might be some shred of actuality to the imagination that we've built up around. Absolutely. Them. 
I want to believe that. And then there's the rational part of me that's like, yeah, but what the fuck would be the point? What would be the point? And also, you know, there's that whole thing about people that still believe the moon landing was fake. Yeah. Um, In a situation where now we've had thousands and thousands of people since the moon landing who someone would actually have to have information proving the moon landing was fake and they've all been secret about it except for the wackos who've come out and say i was a part of nasa i saw them film it yeah and it turned out he was a janitor in a building adjacent to yeah something that had nothing to do really with nasa yeah i mean it's very hard to keep people quiet if something big like that actually happened and not only that it's it's extremely offensive to the people who actually were involved oh yeah absolutely like, really personally offensive to them and so, was it buzz aldrin that punched somebody punch guy, yeah oh my god that's deservedly amazing. so yeah without question like so, hey your life's work yeah you made that shit up yeah, really yeah really asshole so does the same thing apply to something like a roswell or something like an area where somebody deep down in the bowels of the pentagon or nasa has this Proof positive information that, yes, we have been in contact with alien life, and no true evidence of that has ever gotten out, ever. I, I find that so unlikely. Yeah. I mean, it is unlikely to the point of just demolishing credulity. It's not reasonable. It's not no. reasonable. I mean... And what would be the, the reason, really, if... 50 years ago, they found true evidence of alien life that they were then able to use to develop weaponry or whatever that now is old hat. Now everybody's seen and is used to. What would be the advantage of keeping that a secret? Avoiding panic? I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe simply the nature of control. Right. If you are the only source of control for a piece of information, giving that up, you can't take it back once it's out. That's a thing that governments do. But as we have seen throughout history, governments are not always that great at keeping secrets. No, governments are terrible at keeping secrets. They're notoriously bad at it. And they're terrible at organization. And they're terrible at basically everything that you need to be good at to keep a real, actual, earnest conspiracy secret. Like, eventually, there's a whistleblower. So I guess it just goes back to the root question. In your heart, yes or no, do you believe we've ever, ever been visited by intelligent alien life? Not what you want to believe. No. I don't. I have to say, as much as it hurts my heart to say it, Nessie isn't real, and I don't think we've ever truly been visited by intelligent alien life. Maybe a fly-through? Yeah, I don't think that it's out of the question at all to suggest if there is another spacefaring species out there somewhere Mm -hmm. that is advanced such that we probably wouldn't even recognize them. Right as a being (laughs) they might very well have happened upon our little rock did they stay did they take anybody up and probe them did (sighs) they even do a survey of our land probably not they probably flew around took a topographical map yeah checked out kind of whatever life signs there watched our primetime tv and went oh god yeah we can't we can't stay here (laughs) oh no we are the people of their walmart this is not (laughs) a place we want to go and they said okay cool we've got this mapped out let's go And that is also part of the problem is that the people who fervently believe in this, anytime you have a true believer that can't listen to any sort of reason that automatically, you know, you brought up alien abduction where I I was going to talk about that at some point. We kind of can't avoid it in this kind of conversation, but also the whole theory of the rods. People are so married to the fact that rods exist and therefore are unfamiliar and therefore have to be alien. Right. That no... It is like talking to a 9-11 truther or something. Yeah. No reasonable conversation can be had at that point. Correct. Somebody shows me a video of a rod, and I go, well, since videos, especially when they were so prevalent in, you know, camcorders, people spotted them in camcorders all the time. I'm like, well, that could just be a bug that got kind of, the image got split up because you're going frame by frame, and it would distort something moving that fast, and you can't really see that distortion in a human being moving the way a regular human being would. That seems to be more logical. And to me, that sort of video imagery harkens to whatever they're called, orbs from people yes. who are big ghost spotters or whatever. Like, oh, there are these orbs in this picture that's clearly a ghost. Or it's an artifact on the film. I mean, right. that shit happens yes. and is not explained by ghosts. Right. You and I both have just admitted we want to believe that aliens have visited this planet. Absolutely. However, we're not so delusional in our need to think that that is true that we can't look at something and go... Well, that's not proof at all. Yeah, like, I am 
I would love to have some proof. I think everybody oh, great, would. Yeah. But I'm not so much looking for proof that I will find proof where none exists. Right. And I guess that is a good way to segue into alien abduction itself. Obviously, neither of us believe that that has happened. No. And I think there's a lot of compelling evidence to prove that it hasn't happened. I mean, you can't prove a negative, but there's been nothing to indicate that it has. Right. But also, I'm just in things like um, I was watching a special years ago, and this kind of answered that whole question for me. Not that I ever truly believed it, because, hey, it is, it's a stereotype, but it does always seem to be the same type of people. Yep. And They're the same type of people that lose their houses every time a tornado comes through. Yes. Or, you know, that believe the Little Cricket is a viable Christmas Eve shopping option. Right. But there's also cultural scientific proof because of sleep paralysis. Yes. It was proven to me in a very simple way, because aliens... The belief in alien abduction is a very big thing in America, or even more specifically, North America. So when people have sleep paralysis, their bodies freeze up, but their brains are still kind of awake and kind of functioning, but not functioning 100%. Hallucinations are very common. Americans see aliens coming into their bedrooms and taking them away and taking them on a ship and shoving something up their ass. It used to be witches. Used to be witches. And in a lot of Asian culture... It still is. Yes. Because that is a very important part of their culture. Right. That's what they are afraid of, culturally speaking. So when you present me with information like that, even though I was always skeptical, I kind of go, well, that is the most reasonable thing you could have told me. Yeah. But then there's that small pocket of people. It's like, well, no, it's not. And you just kind of go, well, why? That seems to make perfect logical sense. No, it doesn't. Oh. Tell me why. Because. Oh. Because ha- it happened. No, aliens, my ass, it happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's like those people who go to the emergency room were like, I was vacuuming naked. Yes. Instead of, I really wanted to see what my dick felt like in this vacuum hose. Right. <laughs> like, just fucking... Just admit it. Don't <laughs> cause some random extraterrestrial event to have yeah. occurred just because you're embarrassed that you stuck something up your ass. Yeah. Whatever, I mean, whatever the reason is. The alien put my best friend's dick in me. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm a straight man. Yes. I believe you. <laughs> they wanted to watch. They called themselves the voyeurs for Planet Voyeur. <laughs> they they liked what they saw. And we just finished. We just finished a completion because we wanted to give them a show. <laughs> That's when my wife walked in on us. And, by God, those aliens move fast. They were gone by yeah, the time they, that door was I, I open. I bet they were. And his wife would probably believe it. I knew it. Goddamn aliens. Goddamn aliens. Making your friend fuck you. <laughs> <sighs> You know, the guy you go on those fishing trips with once a year and you guys are gone for a week and you don't take any tackle or rods, but a lot of condoms for catching fish, you said. Yeah. Got to protect those fish. (laughs) Holds the minnows real well. It does. I'm sure. So, yeah, I mean, obviously that nobody's ever going to come to me with a story of alien abduction and make me believe it. Unless they take a lot. Yeah. Unless they actually show me like the scars or the implements that aliens implanted in them or an alien is with them. It's like, oh, yeah, we totally did that. (laughs) (laughs) But have you ever seen anything? Have you ever seen what you would consider to be a UFO? Yeah, absolutely. Because I couldn't identify it and it was flying. Right. And clearly an object. So there you go. Is there a story? Not as cool as your story was. Did I tell that story on this podcast? You did. Okay. Good. You did indeed. And I've had a couple that were just like, those are lights in a pattern I don't yes. normally see on like planes that I'm used to seeing. Right. It's not hovering like a helicopter and it's not making noise, even though it looks like it's close enough for me to hear it. Right. There's an explanation for that. There has to be. I just don't know what it is. But my ignorance doesn't equal aliens. No. <laughs> like that's- that is that is the problem is we do, again, as part of human nature, when there is a bit of information missing. We fill it in, and it's, in some ways it's a positive that we fill it in so imaginatively. Yeah. But it does throw sort of rational, logical thought completely out the window. Often. And I mean, the X-Files fan in me is always happy to go, that is totally an alien spaceship. Because oh, yeah. lights and triangles don't hover over my house like that. Right. <laughs> but especially now with like commercial drones available. Mm-hmm. Well, commercial drones are new, but... Drones in general, just like quiet flying objects, mm-hmm. remote control airplanes and helicopters have been around for a yes. generation or more. Those are things that exist. Yes. I probably couldn't pick one out at night if it was flying over me. No. So for all I know, fucking somebody with an RC helicopter was doing that. Every technological invention that becomes available to the public 
has been used by someone for a very long time leading up to the point when they finally say, okay, we can let the average man have these. Yeah, we generally. have no use for them anymore. Yep. We've gone beyond it. Yep. I mean, you can, there are a whole bunch of things that are, you know, Kickstarters. Hey, we're going to build this device or whatever it is. But there are still prototypes, even for private companies that are just mm-hmm. making stuff for consumer use that aren't military advancements or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's still stuff that we don't know about that's being made. Right. And for all I know, I've just unknowingly encountered several different prototypes of RC helicopters. Right. Or whatever. Yeah. And I'm perfectly fine with that. I would rather think that some form of intelligent life has been cruising my house. I mean, it's fun. Yeah, but I don't honestly believe it. It's especially fun when you're a child because it does capture your imagination and it opens up the door to so many other things. Totally. Just about everyone I know that I'm friends with went through phases where they were obsessed with aliens, ghosts, Nessie, Bigfoot. (laughs) All those things were the most fascinating things ever and you believed wholeheartedly in them. I read a book that actually had tales of pterodactyl sightings in Texas in the early 80s. Oh my God. That like seemed legitimate to 10-year-old me. That's amazing. Who didn't stop to think for a second that if there were pterodactyls flying around, yeah. we would have some kind of evidence of them. Yeah. And that's the other thing, especially now when everything is recorded, everyone's got instant video camera with their phones now. And you can't walk down the street without being recorded by someone or something. Yep. How do we not have proof positive of all of these things that, that mystified us as children? Yep. I still think there could be a Bigfoot-like creature out there somewhere because it's dense forest that no one lives in. Or if you're talking about like the Yeti who lives in the Alps, yeah, or the Himalayas sure, or whatever. I mean, who the fuck goes up there? We are still discovering creatures every day that we didn't know existed, yep. thought were extinct, whatever. Absolutely. So, okay, that one, I kind of moving over here to the maybe side. But there's been so many searches done of Loch Ness. Yeah. Scientific expeditions to prove whether or not something was there. Tourists, yep. they're constantly filming and taking pictures. And you would think the same thing applies to UFOs. If a UFO landed somewhere, an honest-to-God alien spaceship landed somewhere, it would be on 500 different phones and on YouTube in seconds. Well, there was one thing that I saw that was it was either three or six different people, I believe it was in Britain, filmed something that a whole bunch more people witnessed. Which was some incredibly bright light that made what I think I remember was something like a sonic boom mm-hmm. that shook windows and scared yeah, all I think the I animals. Seeing that. And there were three different, or maybe six, but at least three different videos right. of it from different angles. Right. It was clearly the same thing that all these people were looking at. Right. Totally unexplained. Right. Still, that I know of, totally unexplained. Right. That doesn't mean there isn't an explanation. Right. Like a rational terrestrial explanation. And that's the thing. You have to start with a rational terrestrial first. Mm-hmm. Then you just keep going in the, up that ladder. Because the natural environment itself is still something that we don't completely understand At and all. can do some yeah. amazing things. Totally. I mean, if the Aurora Borealis For probably yep. still mystifies people. But before we had the level of technology we had now, people that saw that probably thought the world was ending. Like with eclipses. Yeah. Yeah. And now we know exactly what it is, and it's still fascinating, it's still awesome, but there is a logical, rational explanation for it. It ain't aliens, it ain't ghosts, it ain't Bigfoot. And like, I am, I'm the kind of person that slightly believes basically everything. Sure. I slightly believe in ghosts and vampires and werewolves and zombies, not so much in zombies, and aliens. I slightly believe in all that because I don't know that they're not real. Because you can't prove a negative to me. Neither of us are saying that none of these things are possible. That not these at all. things have not happened. Right. We're saying at this point, the likelihood is very low. Very low. No matter what we would wish to the contrary. Right. But it would be awesome to find out that, you know, if I found out that, yes, there was an alien ship in Roswell and we have used that technology ever since then, and this is proof positive that intelligent life exists outside of this planet and has visited us, I think that would be amazing. It would be. It would be totally amazing. But if I thought my house were haunted, for example, yeah. I would exhaust every resource first trying to prove that it wasn't yeah instead of automatically going well we got ourselves a ghost yeah like check for co2 and make sure that all the boards are still yeah intact because that also i think is how we're gonna advance is we never jump to the most fantastical conclusion first because the the research and the science that leads up to finding the plausible reason is what kind of keeps us going as a species yeah well i mean there was a story on reddit this is slightly tangential but there was a story on reddit about someone who thought their house might have been haunted um, because stuff 
was starting to go missing or being moved and they would right. hear like cupboards in the kitchen creaking at night or whatever. And turns out some time later, some homeless girl had been living in a slight little crook in their house that they didn't even know they had. Mm-hmm. And they they found her there and she'd just been invading their house and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, homeless person invading your house. Pretty creepy. Terrifying. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. In fact, actually more terrifying than, than a ghost. Ghosts. Yep. And a much more believable yeah. explanation. Yep. And it's the same with, with aliens. It's the same with all that stuff. We want to believe it. And I love a good ghost story. Hell I love yeah. at least pretending I believe in a good ghost story. But if you ask me if I really believe if I've ever had a, a true ghost encounter, no. And I'm like, I have a very memorable moment from my early childhood. I would say I was seven or eight, where in my memory, very clearly saw an apparition in my house. Mm-hmm. Broad daylight, other people standing around. Right. Like, not I was sleepwalking or whatever. He was right outside my kitchen. Right. Like, I very clearly remember him being there. Right. It wasn't a ghost. Right. I don't have any way to explain it. No. Maybe I was sleepy. Maybe right. some weird shadow on the wall, and I actually only caught it out of the corner of my eye, sure. but my brain filled in the rest, and that's what I remember now, because, right. again, your brain's a dick. But I do have that memory, but I am also a rational thinking human being. Right. And I recognize that that wasn't what my memory tells me it was. Right. And memory's so, yeah, yeah. it's not that reliable. Right. Talk to the people that've been in prison for 20 years yeah. for being positively identified who are completely innocent and they can prove to you that memory isn't the most reliable yep. thing. But now let's talk about our optimism that aliens do exist. And let's just say, even though chances are small, that we do make contact in our lifetime and alien lands in front of your house. Okay. You are the first person that alien meets. Whew. You are now the ambassador to be the first thing an earth being has said to an alien. What do you show them? What do you, what do you tell them about our culture? We are in a lot of trouble because I am terrible <laughs> at math. Doesn't have to be mathematics. It just has to be like, this is a true representation of the best of us. That is such a good question because like SETI, the search mm-hmm. for extraterrestrial intelligence. They have kind of a right. a thing that you're supposed to do. It's a list of things you're right. supposed to do if you are the one that happens to make contact. Right. I can't do like half of them. Right. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not a thing I can do. But what are the things that you personally would want another culture to know about you, about what you think uh, is, is good about humanity? I mean, the assumption is that I can't actually communicate in a way that we're used to communicating. Right. Because I can't be like, hey, welcome to Earth. But if they could, if they could understand what you were saying, so they had but some still sort of like nothing about our culture, literally universal translator. We'll sit here and watch this TV show, or look at this piece of art, or listen to this piece of music. Bach, I would play that's Bach a good one. because it is the best way I know to get both music and math mm. together. That's, that's a beautiful answer. I would almost want to say I would like to show some Escher, but I think that would just be confusing. <laughs> it would be a pretty good representation of how weird our society is. Yep. But also might give the wrong impression. Sure. Because I don't know, obviously, how they would process that. Right. I would... I mean, Bach is really kind of my go-to on that. I would play it's them not bad. some Toccata and Fugue in D minor. Right. Although, if Toccata and Fugue is the one I'm thinking of, it's a little on the creepy side in moments. It is, but it's stunningly beautiful. No, it's a great piece. One of the best mathematically written mm-hmm. that he's done. Probably not the best, but one of, and my personal favorite. What about entertainment? If it was something more fluffy, popular entertainment, would you say, oh, you need to see this thing? Like, imagine an alien walks into your house, and he's completely like Paul from that from that movie. <laughs> and he's like, what's up? I don't know anything about your planet. Teach me something. Good God. What what would I show an alien? Like, my first inclination would be Doctor Who. Nothing wrong with that. But I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe Doctor Who. Because at least then it would be, because li- Doctor Who, at his base... Yeah. Is very human loving. Yes. And tries to show humanity in the best of lights, mm-hmm. even in their worst of moments. Mm-hmm. And has a lot of aliens in it. Yeah. That's what I would worry about, though. Showing an alien a show or movie with aliens in it. Yeah. Like, well, that's dumb. Yeah. That's not what we do at all. I think that that might at least present them with some immediate understanding of our preconceived notions. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, here's what we think about you. Yeah. Uh, Please don't be that. Yeah. Or please do, depending on what part of Doctor Who. Do we're you have any about. like robots with plungers on them? Where you come from? Because they kind of suck. Don't send those over. Yeah, they're not our favorite. Ooh, send over the sexy looking like V women who just want to bed all our men before they eat us. Yes, but yes. still, I'm not not too keen on that either. Uh, yeah, I I probably would end up showing them Doctor Who to be perfectly honest. That's not a bad answer. That's 
really nerdy of me. And then he would try and fly off the planet in a phone booth. That would like, be hey, badass. this thing doesn't work. That'd be badass <laughs> if we still had them. Technically, yeah, no, it's a police box, but you know. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I got my TARDIS minutia information incorrect. I know. Hate mail incoming. <laughs> Do we get mail? No. Okay. Mail us your hate mail about what I just said about Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting question because there's always that whole, like, in the Star Trek movie first contact when we finally got to see, you know, humans and Vulcans meet for the first time. Yep. Immediately he showed them classic rock and made them drink whiskey. Alcohol you know? would be a good, I think, honestly. I wouldn't because you never know what their reaction's going to be. Alcohol's not a Here, bad try some thing. rum. <laughs> he falls over and dies. Yeah. And, oh, oh, we just we killed probably you. probably should have talked mm. about chemical composition. Yes. First. Well. <laughs> He'd start a war with a shot of rum. That's probably happened before. Mm. Most great and terrible ideas come from alcohol. I would probably show them cat videos on the internet. That's not bad. That is not bad. I probably would. I wonder if they would even understand the concept of pet ownership. I don't know. I don't know. Because, I mean, in this, in my mind, I'm kind of imagining a relatively humanoid looking mm -hmm. bipedal, the head up at the top where the brain space goes. Mm -hmm. But I honestly think that the most likely... If this could be said to be likely at all, mm -hmm. type of alien life that we might discover as being spacefaring extraterrestrials would be some kind of like silicate based life yep. form that's actually or crystalline based life form. Mm -hmm. It's not carbon based at all. So it doesn't look anything like us or interact with the world on right. the same dimensions that we do. You know, one of the reasons we're talking about this in this episode, I think, is because when you and Z got into town, you guys came over the other night and we actually had a pretty awesome conversation about this very subject. Yeah. And the fact that I think it was either Z or you brought up something along the lines of what you're saying that it is quite possible that there's alien life on the planet right now. It's just yeah. so outside our level of comprehension yep. that our brains simply can't compute the way these things look sound, act, smell, so they have to basically delete it from our file that we can't we can't actually communicate see or touch them because we just can't handle what they truly are. Yeah, like they live in a time dimension that is yes. that technically exists alongside ours, but their perception of time is such that a sentence would take three generations of right. of our lifetimes. And that's just not something we can comprehend. No. At all. I mean, that's divine level yes. incomprehensibleness. Yeah. And I think that is significantly more like Those aliens could be standing in this room yeah. right now going, listen to these two dumbasses talk about what they think we are. Hey, and, Reggie, come over here. Yeah, exactly. And we would never know. And well, we couldn't I have know. no idea. Until we evolve maybe, what, a, another million years or so? At least. Then what would happen? One day we're just all sitting around and boof, they just appear. And we're like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> He's just sitting next to you. He's like, dude, you can see me? Yeah. I've Sweet. been waiting for long enough, man. There's so much to talk about. Your great, 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 great grandson was talking about me yeah, last week. On a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> on a podcast. <laughs> That's just a weird thought. And I think that that is really just much more likely because I am very much a layman when it comes to most advanced science. Sure. But I'm a huge fan of contemplating string theory. Sure. And I think that the chances that there are all these extra dimensions, much in the way that there are different spectrums of light that say the mantis shrimp can see, but we can't. Right. Not only can we not see them, we literally can't comprehend right. what they might look like. There's no way for us to visualize that or imagine that. Right. That's where I think most extraterrestrial life lives. Right. Is in dimensions that we can't see on light spectrums that we can't contemplate. Right. And for all we know, we're on a fucking super highway through the universe and we've totally been blown by by hundreds mm -hmm. of thousands of aliens daily. Mm -hmm. And we just would could never possibly know that. We're a rest stop. Yeah. Like a really kind of crappy one in the middle yeah. of nowhere like, off of Don't go to that one. Unused the snack highway. Machine is awful. Yeah. It's got nothing but like trail mix and And all the lights mix. are all blown out all the time. Yeah, it's, and yeah. It's just a bunch of weird people running around talking to non sequiturs. It's strange. Yeah. Just that's... wait until the next one. Wait till Venus. Yeah. Just hold it for a little while. Yeah. And that's really more of what I think is likely that we probably have because the universe is nearly infinite. Yes. So near to infinite that it is effectively infinite. Right. Well, that leaves a lot of options open. Absolutely. And the sad truth is, I mean, of all the planets that are probably out there, the percentage of them that are in that zone that is 
perfectly is just perfect for creating and sustaining life. The percentage of those planets is a lot smaller. Sure. For sustaining life like us. For sustaining life like us. And that kind of dictates that, yes, there are a lot of them simply because for the longest time we just thought we were the only one. So now I think we're learning, seems like every month, that there's a, right. all these other galaxies with life-sustainable plants out there that are still so far away, we're never going to reach them in our lifetime. Sure. So it really is like looking for a needle in a haystack, just a giant haystack, and that needle is a planet that can sustain life like ours that we could reach anytime soon or that even knows about our existence. Right. The chances are not great it's going to happen anytime soon. Not soon as relative. But true. But the chances that they're out there are pretty high. Oh, yeah. And to me, I think it is. It stretches the bounds of incredulity to say that they're not. Right. That we're it. It's the ultimate in egotism. Yeah. And I think the the less religion has an impact on the way we think about the world and the way the universe works, uh, the more likely we are to get better at searching those things out. Because I have talked to people who are uh, very reasonable people who, as soon as you talk about aliens, they sort of bristle because they're very religious. And in their religion, we are the thing that God created. And what gets me about that is I understand why that would be a mentality that one would hold. But at the same time, those same people believe in a God that is infinite, that makes it possible to do all things, mm -hmm. that can do anything. So, okay, believing that this deity can do anything that he wants, what he wanted was to create us, mm -hmm. fine. I'm, I'm down. Good for you. Yeah, great. But that does not preclude him no. also wanting to create anything else. Absolutely not. But I think in most major world religions, we are painted as the most important thing that he has ever done. Right. And the thing that he loves more than anything. And we were perfect. So he doesn't need to create anything else. So as soon as you talk about, well, if there is this all-powerful force that created the universe, he created not only us, but he also created these other things, more intelligent than us, more advanced than us, somewhere else. That reduces our level of importance to said deity, and they can't handle that. I feel bad for them if they can't handle that. I do, too. I think that kind of thinking is dying off. I think it's becoming, with each generation, more a minority. And even religious people, who are also scientists. Yeah are fascinated by the idea of life on other planets yes. and want to find it. Yeah. So I think we're going in the right direction as far as that kind of thing is concerned. Just, if I'm being honest, will it happen in our lifetime? Probably not. No, I'm pretty doubtful. But it would be awesome if it did. If tomorrow the aliens landed and they didn't blow us up. Yeah. And they didn't anally rape us. And we didn't blow them up and start an intergalactic war. Yeah. Then it would be amazing and maybe the best thing that's ever happened to humanity. Yeah. Because I would like to buy a ticket off this rock. Yeah, sure. Or just see how, like, advanced we could become. They could help us solve, you know, the ultimate optimism is that they could help us solve a lot of these awful problems that we're facing right now. Yeah. They could help us solve the fact that we are slowly killing our planet. Yeah. That'd be great. Hopefully. But, you know, who's to say what they will or, or what Or maybe they, they show up and they go, no, that's kind of what we did to ours. We were hoping you guys yeah, had some answers. Seriously. And then we're like, well, we're all fucked then. <laughs> Let's sit back with a beer. Yeah, seriously. Let's just chill, alien, until the giant tidal wave comes and kills us both. Yeah, you know. And he's like, well, I have a ship, so I'm going to go. Yeah, you guys, have fun with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we've said all that we could say. That is so not true. No, it's absolutely not. <laughs> but in, a, in the course of approximately an hour, we've said a lot. We have, actually. And you know what I think I would like? I think hmm. I would like it if cats were aliens. That'd be pretty cool. And they've just been hanging out with us. And I would like to see the ships that they create that they could drive because they don't have opposable thumbs. That's true. That would be pretty creative. I but mean, they do have is... four working paws. We only have the two hands. That's true. And they've got the tail. The tail. Which can do a lot. Not prehensile, but they can control it if they want to. Sure. They could have a little switch behind them where they just flick. Yep. And your boosters are on. And, you know, what if they are aliens that have just been observing us for all these years? Yep. They've and got... when they make those weird noises. Yeah. For no reason whatsoever. They're yeah. just communicating with the mothership or whatever. They've got the perfect way in. Yeah. Because they're adorable. Because they're adorable and we accept them readily into our homes and they just hang out and watch us every day. Yep. Like if your friend were in your house staring at you like your cat does, you'd be a little creeped out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but when your cat does it, you're like, oh, he's interested in me. Or if any of my friends came over and just like sat down on me. Yeah. And then was like, 
No, you're not getting up. <laughs> that would be really off-putting, I think, but my cat At does least it. least weird. I mean, depending on what you were into. I suppose. At least a little odd. So, if you guys have enjoyed this, first of all, Carissa, if they want to talk to us about aliens or email us about any angry thing they want to say about something we've gotten wrong, uh, how can they do that? They can email us at lucky10,000, all spelled out, lucky10,000 at gmail.com or get us on twitter at lucky underscore 10k i've been a little bit distant on the twitters you've been busy because i've been busy we're traveling and then you know my parents are here so they've wanted to like talk to me and stuff right parents for real so been doing that but you know i'm around and i always check my notifications uh not that i get any goddamn notifications (laughs) but if i did i would check them we're not bitter though no not at all Uh, i did want to just say really quick not as a shout out exactly but just say thanks to wiki shuffle and classy little podcast both of them helped me on my two-day drive oh sweet yeah i listened to uh, the bearded ones and of course wiki shuffle and classy little podcast and that helped me get through a lot of the more tedious driving through mississippi and alabama excellent well again like we said earlier we all always want to tout amateur podcasts and they really are the best thing for a drive for yeah. an office job yeah. for exercise i mean i love music just as much as the next guy but give me a really good podcast to listen to yeah. and i'm pretty much in heaven and i'm not even that big on talk radio it's just something about this format that it's good it's very engaging yeah and all of those podcasts at one point or another on the drive prompted extra conversation there you go between me and z on the way so it passed a lot of good time and was good for you know thinking that's fantastic and you know it is something that I think uh, is growing every day. And hopefully that means a lot of these amateur podcasts are going to get more notoriety as the years progress. Definitely. Including our own, of course. But also like I like podcasts, there's a podcast out there for everybody. For real. Like any kind of subject matter, any kind of personality type you want, it's out there and it's free. So why aren't you doing it? That's a great question. And I don't know why I'm asking that of someone who wouldn't be listening to podcasts anyway, because they're not going to hear this. <laughs> So maybe not so great a question. <laughs> yeah. On second thought. I mean, it's a great question if I were talking to someone who doesn't listen to podcasts. Yes. But if you're listening to this, then you are not one of those people. True. But if you would like to help us out, give us a five-star review on iTunes or Stitcher, and we will read it on the air. And uh, just the best thing you can do for us, really, is just word of mouth. If you like this podcast and you know someone that you think would like it as well, you know them better than we do, advertise for us. Just say, hey, check it out. That's all you got to say. I mean, you think you know them better than we do. Yeah. We probably know them really well. Yeah. We're very perceptive. (laughs) Oh, by the way, Sam, your friend Jerry, he likes to wear women's underwear. We just know that. Well, I mean, it is comfier. Oh, I know. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so please do that. And I think that's everything. So thank you for physically being here, Carissa. Thank you for physically having me, Evan. Oh, and I hope you got lucky tonight. Good night, nerds. Thank you for being a part of the Lucky 10,000 with your hosts, Evan and Carissa. Email us at lucky10,000 at gmail.com. Find Lucky 10,000 on Twitter at lucky underscore 10k. And visit our podcast network site at beardedpodsnetwork.com.